I honestly think most stuff gets done in the world because people don't know, because if they knew, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> that was Joy Gridnick, comedian and radio personality. And boy, are we in for a treat today. Hi, I'm Nancy Scanlon Coppler, and welcome to Woman Overboard. Have you ever been told that you go overboard? Or maybe you have a friend, a partner, or a crazy aunt who overdoes it at the holidays. Someone who is overly ambitious, overly excited, and gets overwhelmed because she tends to overdo everything. Well, welcome to my world. I'm Nancy Scanlon Coppler, and this is Woman Overboard, a show about women, leaders, mothers, and entrepreneurs who are dedicated to making a difference. My guests would not be where they are today without being the overachievers that they are. Women who I believe put a positive spin on the words, woman overboard. My guest today is a talented artist, radio personality, comedian, writer, producer, business owner, philanthropist, and lover of all things St. Louis. In addition to her many talents, Joy Gridnick is the owner and founder of St. Louis's The Fountain on Locust, an award-winning restaurant known throughout the country for its unique ambiance and delicious treats. Joy, welcome to Woman Overboard. Oh my gosh. I am I was like, who is that? I want to meet her. <laughs> it's you. Well, I am so excited to meet you. And I I haven't, you're one of the first people I've interviewed that I haven't known or haven't met before I interviewed oh, to talk to you. Oh, that's right. And I just want to say, I have to give this little prelude sure, sure, to sure. our interview. I had texted, tell our listeners, I had texted Joy yesterday. I was very stressed about something. And it <laughs> accidentally texted out a tirade to someone I thought knew me. It was actually my cousin with whom I share a brain. Oh, you know, we're so nice. much alike. And uh, she understands me. So I was mortified when I realized I texted it to the wrong person. <laughs> And I thought, oh, my gosh, who got this? And then suddenly I saw this, Nancy, I think you meant the last two texts for someone else. But I hear you, girl. You sound exactly like me. You must be my soul sister. <laughs> and I That's said, exactly I right. want to meet this girl. <laughs> I want to meet this girl. There's somebody else like me in this world, right? Right, right. Oh, it's so good to have somebody that you can text that to. That's right. I'm glad it wasn't a nun, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my sister goodness. Mary, whoever. <laughs> So I am just so thrilled to meet you. Uh, and and before we started the interview, you were also talking about your you you called me and you left this little whispered voiceover voice voiceover te- voice voiceover what is it called yeah. voicemail. Uh, yeah. I'm in front of the microphone that said you were out of town and you weren't sure if you could make the interview. And so yes. tell us what happened. You were, oh. and where you were. Oh. Such a mess. I couldn't even believe it. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm still a little brain dead from it. But <laughs> but I went to Santa Fe with my daughter to see Fun. Uh, Meow Wolf. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to tell you what that is that because I had, nev- I had not heard of it either. And my daughter is in the uh, experiential event industry and she wow, that's, that's what exciting. it is. So it's kind of a cross between the city museum and... Uh, the Science Center and maybe a, a scary fun house for oh my Halloween. goodness. Uh, so uh, a group of artists um, started it actually when the Fountain on Locust started. I, I thought I had heard that it was started in the 70s. And I thought, oh, it's going to be this hippy dippy trippy thing. But it wasn't. It was uh, it was actually very professional um, and science centery in that sort of way. But it was like uh, an experience where you go through and there was a loosely put together kind of storyline that you could 
follow if you wanted and try to look for clues. And there's a thing in New York called Sleep No More. That's another mm-hmm. experiential uh-huh. event thing. Um, and that one is a... I know have, that one. That happens every night to me. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's, um, it's a cross... It's a... Um, a theater experience where they have the actors mm-hmm. uh, are the only ones not wearing masks. All the public wears masks, and you know you have to go through by yourself. And and there's they do little scenes that uh, make no sense, and you you can follow them or go to the next room, or you're on your own to kind of move around. Well, this meow wolf thing was uh, it's kind of you know every room is like an Instagram opportunity. So <laughs> right. uh, there's places like that. They're they're just like the Museum of Ice Cream and Candy Topia. And my daughter works for one now in New York called Rose Mansion, and it's some wine experience and so people come in and they pay to get you know their selfies of themselves in these interesting environments um well my daughter thinks that it needs to be more uh more than that more you know that's a little shallow so Mm -hmm. uh so she wanted to you know to and meow wolf does deliver in that sense even though it doesn't really have a uh a conclusive end to Mm -hmm. the story so that kind of pisses me off (laughs) because it wasn't thought through you know Uh it was just kind of throwing random stuff out there anyway we can talk about that all day (laughs) and then while you were there somebody said something to you and so I'm stranded there and American Airlines you know cancels my flight and just rebooks me on this flight the next day at 625 and I'm I'm thinking what you know that's not for I can see if it was something like a, you know, storm or some unforeseenable, you know, act of God thing. Well, it was maintenance issues and that's their responsibility. So I expected to have a little more, you know, well, let's help you out kind of thing like, understanding, like Delta right? would do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just dropping airlines. Yeah. And so um, uh, I called the American Airlines lady and she was a little annoyed, uh, but, you know, they can't. Every time you call anything these days, you're invited to take a survey afterwards to <laughs> rate how you did you know, with the person. When really what they should do is rate the company, not the people, because usually the people are good. Uh, but in this case, I could see the woman was, you know, knowing that I might, you know, be able to do something. So it was all she could do to grit her teeth and and not, you know, scold me I, when I was just being nice. And I, you know, I, I can't do this. I can't wait overnight. I don't have a place to stay. My phone's too old. I don't have the Uber app. Um, so when my daughter got picked up, I told that Uber driver, I was like, where are you going? <laughs> You're coming back to get me because I'm stranded here. And uh, and she said that uh, Mercury was in retrograde for the next three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Which means what? Which means that uh, you're going to run into troubles and things are going to not go well and problems are going to happen. And, and then I realized I didn't have my phone, my cell phone, which I had left walking to the place, you know, that I was supposed to go before I could find to get the ride. Um, so I, I had to go like two miles walking to pick up my phone, which I hoped was there because I couldn't call them because I didn't have my phone. And yes, I, it, they did, thank goodness. But, you know, those kinds of things. <laughs> and now that I think that, I am I think I'm like projecting that onto the my day and I'm actually making these things occur. So I wish I didn't even know this. <laughs> oh, you make me feel so good because things like that happen to me all the time. I, yeah. I think my Mercury well, my Mercury is always in retrograde. Is that exactly. what it is? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, don't you feel like good when somebody else makes a stupid mistake that yes. you make? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Like, like when I texted and you said, oh, no worries, I do that all the time. Yeah, and, and that's my, the best thing about having a restaurant because people... People leave their stuff there all the time. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was my next question. I know you're a comedian, and I guess you have to be a comedian. What made you want to go into the restaurant business? That is the hardest business you in know the world. What? I can't because I didn't know. 
Nobody told you. Yeah, that's for sure. You should have come to us. I honestly think most stuff gets done in the world because people don't know. Because if they knew, they wouldn't do it. But what gave you so, the idea well, to open where I, you did and I, you know, and, and I, what I you really did. don't have an answer for that. And you people, love to cook? Uh, no, in fact, I hate to cook. <laughs> I'm a good cook, but I hate doing it because I feel like I should use my time on something that lasts, <laughs> right? Instead <laughs> of something so I'm going to eat, and right. <laughs> that's the end of it. It's like when I go to an expensive restaurant, I'm like, damn it, I could have bought a pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, right. But I, I, I don't know. It was like I always feel like almost like a cockroach that was pre-programmed to do this. And every day I got up and I was doing it and I was thinking, why am I doing this? I, I had no knowledge of the restaurant industry. Of course, I'd eaten out and I'd eaten out and noticed before, gee, this looks like a really hard job, you know, just looking around, not even being interested in being in the restaurant business. So I went from totally knowing nothing to being in the restaurant business. It was so crazy. My husband and I were trying to buy a building for our radio syndication company. And uh, we bought a building down on uh, in Midtown on a street a locust that mm-hmm. was at the time boarded up a one-way street and you know just nothing going on there mm-hmm. in fact I I painted the whole front uh, and became the fountain on locust um, and for two years when I was doing other things I would go down there and I would paint and I parked in okay, front of the okay ba- so let, let's put the brakes on just for a minute because I've heard that I have not been there and I'm sick about it oh but I have heard that you oh. painted mm-hmm. every square inch of the restaurant mm-hmm. so in addition to all of your radio <laughs> talents yes. and com- comedic talents, are you an artist as well? Well, yeah. you know what? I'm not um, professionally trained, so I make a bunch of mistakes because I I have a vision of what I want, and then I just think, oh, I'll just do. It. Ever I grew up on a farm, so uh, we. <laughs> what does that have to do with art? <laughs> well, well, it's because I. It's a lot of it spare was time. never occurred to me that I could buy things that I wanted. So the minute I saw something I liked, and of course I liked the most expensive things. Uh, the the first thought I had was how I would make it. And I just had to, I made shoes before. Now that's really oh, bad. Oh my that's, goodness. That's, that is overboard to the yes, nth degree. degree. That, is, that is where you have to draw the line and, and have me checked in because <laughs> <laughs> you yes. have to make the call. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's gone too far. Yeah, but um, but I have always, uh, my first thought is how do I make it? So uh, well, I at least they last though. Yeah, exactly, right? No, you can buy shoes from China for $5. (laughs) So (laughs) making them is really expensive. I know, Uh, I know. But anyway, uh, so I, and that's, I do that a lot too. I think, oh, I'll just do this. I'll I'll buy this secondhand and then I'll, you know, fix it. And by the time you're done, you paid three times what you would have if you would have bought it new to begin with. (laughs) Right. Time and time again, that's my MO. (laughs) But uh, so we bought this building for our radio syndication company. And the front seemed to be, it was all boarded up as a old uh, showroom, a um, historic automobile showroom uh-huh. with high ceilings and kind of grand, you know, but it had been totally messed up and mm-hmm. ruined. And But when I thought, when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, this should be this. And, uh, you know, I'll just make it. And uh, so I started making it with the idea that it was going to be, get this, a uh, liquid chocolate place. Oh. Right. That would have failed miserably. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people like chocolate. Well, if it was in a high traffic area, right. it would have been fine. But 
in an area where nobody even knew where it was at the time. <laughs> even the, you know, there was nobody there. There was no residences. There was, the, even the people that but worked in those buildings. you have really built up that neighborhood, correct? By, yeah. by virtue of building your restaurant and making it so popular. Yeah, but it wasn't, uh, I mean, I can't take credit for doing it um, intentionally. It just was because I was that, that stupid. <laughs> no. <laughs> that I had, when because they say. Because you, you made that your intention and well, it happened. And then it, I kind of put rest, so much work into it that there was no way out. Yeah. And, and because the thing, uh, Pappy's, the barbecue place, right. was Isn't one block there? over uh-huh. on the on the major street. Uh, we're around the corner on Locust, uh, and they, you know, they actual they were professionals, and uh, <laughs> they came in maybe I don't know two months, and they set up their their whole barbecue thing. Of course, it wasn't you know hand painted and all that stuff like my right. place, but um, but they immediately. We are, we're neighbors and we, we think of each other as, you know, we're the pioneers. We were here first. You know, mm-hmm. we were the ones. And uh, and thank goodness they had some publicity at the time that got them on the map. And then they were so nice to send everybody over to us for desserts. We have food, of course, but um, uh, I think but without them it would have been even harder, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning. So your fountain, I've only seen pictures and you've got a big, beautiful fountain. So people can sit there and have like ice cream sodas, like an old soda fountain, but you can also eat dinner. Oh uh, yeah. Oh well, it is lunch and dinner, and, uh, and then late night also. And and we were featured on TV on on late night eats uh, as one of three restaurants in St. Louis, even though we're only really open late nights on Friday and Saturday nights. Um, but and we're until ten during the week. Uh, but it's it's uh, healthy. See, here's the concept. So it's all about the ladies, right? In fact, our our restrooms are. Uh, Men's and ladies, and ladies only. So <laughs> ladies can go in both restaurant uh, uh, rest- restrooms. Um, well, good. We should have all the perks, right? <laughs> exactly. And you know, it's it's so upsetting when you go places and the ladies' room is a like hundred miles away, yes, and, and the men's, and the men's room, room is right, right there. there. And yeah, and you know, they never have a line because they don't have to spend that much time in the right, restroom. Right. And all these things are overlooked by the contractors. Yes. So I, I I was very careful to turn it around the other way. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, somebody had to do it, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the concept is a lot Polish food, right? You uh, and I are sisters under the skin because I'm part Polish. Really? Yes. So I uh, pierogies. The, the, <laughs> I'm half Polish and half Croatian. So, uh, the Polish dill pickle soup is uh, one of our signature soups that we wow. uh, I have never had. Is that. on the menu every day. Well, you know what? I had it once. Like we didn't have it growing up, and I, I it wasn't a familiar um, food item, Polish food item to me, until I lived in San Diego and I went to Stella's. Polish hideaway, Polish restaurant, uh, which I looked up recently because I just went back and it doesn't exist anymore. But it, I got Polish dill pickle soup there, and I was like, Ooh. "Oh, this is Ooh, so that good. Sounds good!" I remembered it all these decades later, and I and and then tried to create it. Well, here's what happened: I made it, uh, and then re- you know everything we make, we taste and refine and work and work until we get it to be yummy and just perfect. Um, and then I went to Hamtramck. In uh, Detroit, which is the Polish ghetto where, you know, all the ancestors came over. Oh, okay. And um, uh, like three three springs ago, I went and I took my son who didn't want to go. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the, my mission while I was there was to taste all their Polish dill pickle, dill pickle soup and see if it was better than ours. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. But You're there's the a best. million different ways to make it. You can make it with egg, you know, to make it richer. Mm-hmm. You can put carrots I've never in had it. I, we have customers from time to time. I guess I'm not in. really Polish. Well, <laughs> well, you know, I, I like, I didn't have it either. So I, I, I'm the same in that regard. But um, 
I have people come in from time to time who are Polish, who their mom made it or they make it or, you know, we do it this way and we do it that way. And, you know, it's all there's it's like that. You can make it a, a number of ways. But I, I do think ours is the difference is we well, we don't have so much butter in ours and, you know, butter makes everything better. Right. But um, but it's also fattening and it's, you know, greasy. and bleh. So we didn't put uh, the butter in uh-huh. to that degree. So it's. Lighter and healthier, mm-hmm. and it's still yummy. So the big question: Do you serve pierogies? Uh, we don't. We no. That actually They're is very our, time consuming. That's our only Polish, you know, official Polish. We we have a couple other. We I think we had a hand pie with Polish sausage, and um, and we have a lot of soups. We're mm-hmm. known for our soups and our ice cream. Uh, our soups are excellent. They're they're um, exquisite. <laughs> and, and I uh, was happy to see you have gluten free items. Yeah, yeah. Well, my daughter has celiac, so yeah, we. And at one point that, they said, "That's great." There were not that she has celiac that you well, serve yeah. gluten free. <laughs> there were, there were, uh, uh, there was some poll, and they they had they named the top five best gluten free restaurants in St. Louis, and we were number two. And then the number one went out of business, so I guess we're number one now. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, congratulations. <laughs> but we don't put that out there, you know. Uh-huh. And 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 honestly, um, a true you know celiac is going to have trouble. Uh, unless it's you have a devoted kitchen with right. you know, separate utensils and separate yes. everything, so right you have to shut things down and completely clean and redo. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's move away from the restaurant industry only because you've got <laughs> s- we've got so much to talk about with you. We might hear here for another couple hours. At only seventeen, you were the youngest female radio personality in the country as KC St. Louis's joy in the morning. Yeah. I'd like to know where is the joy in the morning. I, yeah, I don't exactly. find any joy in the morning, but, uh, yeah, but I'm yeah. sure you were very joyful and you're joyful now. <laughs> were you always interested in the radio industry? And how did you get into it at age 17? Well, Nancy, <laughs> I, will I want to know the you. truth. I will tell you the <laughs> dark side of the story. Yeah. Um, I was a live-in babysitter for a family in Ladue, and uh, they went on vacation, and I had a party. <laughs> How smart of you. Yeah. And My so, kids did that, too. When we went right. And when uh, uh, somebody at my party, one of the... Um, guests of my party, invited the DJ on Keishi to come to the party when he got off the radio. So by that time, it was like two in the morning and everybody left. Uh, actually, they stuck around just to see what he looked like. And then they left <laughs> and, and left me with him. So I met who is now my husband. Um, oh, he, he was the DJ. Yeah, he was a DJ. He got off the air. He came to the party because he was thinking there would be food. And of course, there wasn't any. Um, and uh and so we, you know, talked, and that was nice and everything, and then that was the end of it. Well, time passed, and uh, I was in high school, and I was in the in the journalism, um, I guess, I don't Pre-journalism. Know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that one of the assignments was something where I had to call all the radio stations. And when I called Casey, he answered, and he said, oh... Uh, you know, what happened to you? I, uh, he he did something like he gave me a record. It was real degrading, you know. Um, and uh, <laughs> I getting your record. That's nice. yeah. <laughs> That's and, like uh, a nice thing, Jester. Well, I mean, uh, then I never heard from him again. But I, I said to him, I heard you were married. So apparently I had found out something about him in the meantime, which I have no memory of. Uh, there's a picture of me in the yearbook asleep in journalism class. So uh, <laughs> a joy for sooth. Exactly. Not you. And look at your such a success. Well, it shows. <laughs> but anyway, so um, he said, uh, yeah, but um, 
that really hasn't worked out too well. And would you would you like to you know get together? And I said, well. Okay, uh, we went to Dairy Queen in Webster Groves, which is still there, except yes. they remodeled it, tore it down, and redid it. And um, and so I don't know what happened. Oh, I I, tr- I thought I'd get a job. Well, he wouldn't help me get a job because he thought that that wasn't going to go over very well. So I went around him, and I went to the boss, and I said, hey, you know, I can do this. Um, and they hired me to sell tickets during the week, and then I could go on the air on the weekends. Uh, and that was really hard because – when you don't know what you're doing, which it turns out nobody did, but I didn't know that. I thought it was just me. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you try real hard and you you learn some things, and then a week goes by and you forget all those things, and right. then you get all nervous again, and you have to start all over again the next weekend, and it was just awful. You know, doing something so every day. So did they day. give you a whole time slot that you could fill on your own and do whatever you wanted? I did. Or? I did the weekend mornings on the weekend, like six a.m. to ten oh, or something like for that. A teenager, yeah. six a.m. to ten. Oh, I know. The, I know. You just stayed up from exactly. Friday night. Yeah, like, right. It was the middle of the night it was it was the former night not the next day it was <laughs> and they gave you free reign to do whatever you wanted uh, yeah because to program what you wanted I, I, I think they thought nobody was listening and I think nobody was listening and um <laughs> at that time the those kinds of listeners listened in the evening like the, all the the numbers were right. good in the evening so then my numbers really went up and and what did I, you talk about or did you play records? Were I played, DJ? yeah, oh yeah, I played records, uh, albums, which you know you had to know the music because all the listeners knew the music, and right. you couldn't let them down. You had to be up on it, so you were constantly reading liner notes and you know mm-hmm. just trying to you know find out you know not more to, about the music. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I forgot. <laughs> anyway, so you did that for, for how much? Uh, did you do that until you graduated from high school, and then um, I did that, yeah, uh, through I guess for a couple of years or so. And then I moved into Camel Wax FM and I did a television show there too. And that's another example of how they didn't care about me because <laughs> <laughs> because Bob Hyland never would allow his people to work in TV and radio. Uh, oh, right. He did yeah. not like TV. Exactly. So he didn't even... I wasn't on his radar because <laughs> I was doing both. So, yeah. And then... Uh, then uh, we, my husband and I, put together a comedy album because that's what we really wanted to do. We wanted to be so, Cheech and Chong. Okay, so you got married what year? Oh, After way you- too young. I got married when I was uh, I just turned nineteen, and um, and then we moved to California because when we found that's out a place here, to be, right? And- well, back then there was nothing you could do with your comedy album except work at an ad agency or something. There was no outlet and mm-hmm. we went to LA and we said hey we have a comedy album and they're like well so what you're not living here you have to you know suffer with the rest of us and uh, <laughs> if you're serious about this you you know you should be living here so we moved to Los Angeles and we thought we were going to be Cheech and Chong I mean that was the whole concept but then we then we found out there was a Cheech and Chong Oh, you didn't know about Cheech and Chong? <laughs> no. You were going to invent no, no, that? No, 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 no. no that, that's a joke. No. Uh, well, <laughs> we, we uh, there, at the time, it was like Firesign Theater and uh, Credibility, Credibility Gap and um, uh, a number of the, um, you know, I mean, it was, it, we were after Stiller and Mara but, and, and uh, Nichols and May, you know, uh-huh. that, that was before us. Right. But, uh, but we were pre, we started doing short form radio comedy bits like Chicken Man was out, uh, The Story Lady, and some of these mm-hmm. uh, older series that um, were radio series. And then we we actually met those people and did business with them for the next 
30 years. Oh, my the, goodness. The people, Alan Barsman's group that uh, was um, – what was his name? God, I forgot his name. The uh, you know Gary Owens. Gary oh, Owens. Oh right, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so Gary Owens and Alan Barsman had a um, studio from Studio B with Pat mm-hmm. McCormick. Mm-hmm. Pat McCormick, you know, as an actor, he was a right. sheriff with mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds all the time, and mm-hmm. the big fat guy. Uh-huh. Um, and so those were the guys that had this radio comedy uh, from Studio B, and we hooked up with them, and they syndicated us as well as their own stuff. So how long, and you had immense success, I know, with your syndicated radio comedy team throughout the nation. So what did you, how did you actually get it started? You you met a lot of people out there, and then did you well, we start had, we writing had, these small bits? We came out there with our album, our comedy album, mm-hmm. so we had something, a calling card, something mm-hmm. to show that we write and, and perform comedy audibly. Uh, and the uh, we met with Alan Barsman, and it was so funny because uh, they didn't laugh. You know, it's hard when you, you're sitting there listening to something, and they just point. They point at the spots that are funny. Uh, but, <laughs> they don't laugh. <laughs> no, no. And we're just dying over there, you know, because like, <laughs> what? He's pointing. What does this mean? And we had, we actually got to meet them because we had one name from St. Louis. Um, oh my gosh. I can't remember his name. Bob Holt. Bob Holt, he mm-hmm. was a voiceover artist from St. Louis who was living in Los Angeles and doing well as a voiceover artist. He since passed on. Um, he actually got throat cancer. Um, and he was a dear man. And he introduced us to these people. And they said, oh, these are good. Well, they actually didn't say that. They pointed like more <laughs> than normal. And then they said, can you do 124 of these? Because that's how they packaged their thing. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my husband was like kicking me because like, you know, it was hard enough to come up with Sounds 10. Sounds familiar. Right. Yeah. yeah right. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. So then we had to go do it. And that was really hard. because So we, were you playing characters? You were each a yeah, character? We did everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did uh, the, the all the voices of whatever it required. And to this day, I still do those. But, but you I, actually, you wrote the voices. You wrote We wrote our own there. bits, yes. Wow. We've written over 5,000 bits. Uh, and I, you're still doing that? Yeah. In fact, uh, well, we tried to sell the company a few years ago to our media company in New York. And they had uh, put together a team of comedians there. Um uh, gosh, what's the guy's name, Bob? <laughs> this is horrible. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Uh, he's a comedian that has oh, a I know Jimmy books. Fallon. Oh, you know who he is? Okay. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. Not Fallon. Fallon. Oh, yeah. oh Fallon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, he okay. is, he's like a cab driver comedian. Uh, he has okay. some books out. And he, he's, he has uh, some appearances on some TV cable TV shows. He's, mm-hmm. he's a regular. Um, but So he's kind of heading it up. But they never really passed took the torch and ran with it, you know, mm-hmm. so they still, we're still doing stuff, basically, even mm-hmm. though they're supposed to own the company. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it goes. So, you know, you could, so you have written over and produced over 4,000 topical comedy bits to over yes. 700 radio stations worldwide, Yeah, right? and in fact... Could you, you write some bits for me? Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know... Uh, so how did that... How have... How could you and your husband work together? And it was still be horrible. Pers- <laughs> horrible. I'm glad you're honest about yes. it. Isn't it hard working it is, with a spouse? It is the hardest. And and so I'll just say you- at the Fountain and Locust, we have one of our series in the bar. Like you can turn it up <laughs> and listen to Soap Hospital. Uh, they're like 90 seconds and there's like 400 of them on a loop and we sell the CD, you know, 
the first one that Soap we put hospital. together. Soap Hospital, yeah. It's cleverly entitled Volume 1. Um, and that's <laughs> uh, and everybody's like, well, where's Volume 2? And we just never have time to put it together. But uh, working with your husband, it boils down to what you care about. And that's what you fight about is what you care about. Right. So, like, we didn't fight about dishes and home stuff. We fought about what was funny. And women have a different sense of humor than men to yes. begin with. isn't that the so, truth? So I would try to, you know, lobby for keeping a joke or making the the bit go in the direction that I thought was funnier. And we would have these terrible fights. Terrible. I mean, you know, like <laughs> knock down fights, you know, uh, about this comedy bit. <laughs> we would sit all day. I remember sitting all day trying to come up with a comedy bit. And then, you know, it's murder to do that. And then... It also taps into a part of your brain that makes you fall asleep. <laughs> no wonder I'm always so tired. I'm trying, trying to write comedy. Exactly. I don't do it. You do when it. When you try to write comedy, it will. it's taxing on some part of your brain, and it makes you fall asleep. It's horrible. I remember reading about one, some famous author. I forget who it was. It wasn't writing comedy. It was just writing. And she would just... Uh, lay on a daybed all day long and have like an assistant write stuff every time she'd wake up and then fall back asleep and wake up and fall back asleep. <laughs> sure, that wasn't Camille. <laughs> you know, I, I, but I identified with that and yes. I, I, I understand why that happens. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time today, Joy Gridnick, but I'm so excited that you'll be joining us for another show. You're so much fun, and there is even more joy in our next episode. If you or anyone else you know would like to be on our show, place an ad, or learn more about our guests, please contact me at nancy at womanoverboard.com or visit our website, womanoverboard.com. I'm Nancy Scanlon-Coppler, and thank you for listening to Woman Overboard. <laughs>